Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. This morning, if you're joining us for the first time, you joined not at a bad time. We're in week two of our evangelism series, which is all about, we call it the friend, but it's all about sharing the love of Jesus with the world around us. And how do we do that on a practical level? If you were here last week, you would know that we said evangelism is like um, playing rugby. Springbok, yeah, that kind of vibes. We said um, evangelism is not just scoring the try in someone's life, the try being somebody giving their life to Jesus, but it's actually taking the whole body of Christ as we move people from one space in their journey and perception of Jesus, maybe just one little step closer. Maybe taking someone from not knowing God to acknowledging maybe there is a God. Or maybe taking someone from knowing there is a God to that God might be Jesus. And God just maybe want to use you um, in this process with that person's life. We then also looked at six different ways in which we can share the good news with people around us. Just to quickly remind you guys, telling the truth, sharing the, having the conversation that can save that person's life. Through reasoning, giving them the insight and intellectual reasoning to why Jesus is actually important and how it has an effect on your life. Telling your own story, being a good friend to someone, inviting them to church or to some other space where they can be introduced to Jesus. And lastly, through acts of service like we did with Serving Saturday or Street Store, just showing someone kindness and mercy by serving their needs and they can discover God's goodness and the good news. So with that being said, today we're going to dive into, and for the rest of the series actually, we're going to be unpacking friendship. How do we use friendship as a mechanism to tell the world about the good news of Jesus? And before I'm diving into the three topics for today, as I always do, because that's what pastors do, we think about three things during the week, and then we come and share with you guys on Sundays. I want you to quickly turn to the person next to you, the person that you do not know. So it can be the person behind you and so on and so forth. Okay, so very important. And um, I want you to do the following. Now, <clears throat> many people do not know this about me, but my name is not just Larry. I actually have a few other names as well. What? And my grandmother, kid you not, five different names. But before I tell you those names, I want you to quickly tell the person behind you all of your names. Yes, it's that moment when it's Frederica Valmina, and it's going to come now. Okay, so quickly tell the person next to you, just quickly share your full names, all the names that you have with the person next to you. Great. So, can I just see anybody made some new revelations that you've discovered somebody in front of you maybe had like eight names and you didn't even know about it? Anybody like that? <laughs> okay. In the first service, Corbus was the first guy looking at me saying, Lorraine, what's all your names? So here it goes, guys. The name by which people call me is, wait for it, Lorraine. That's obvious. Okay. But then all of my names, my birth names is Lawrence, Johannes, and then my surname is Marie. And Lawrence and Johannes, they together mean, firstly, Lorraine. Lawrence spot means warrior of God. And Johannes means God is gracious. So that's the meaning of my names. I really keep them very close. They mean lots to me. And then um, to fill you in on the gap with regards to my grandmother. So she had many different names. And um, let me just quickly get this here. You, I have to read them off because it's too many to remember. We just called her Oma Eggy. 
as like kind of an abbreviation, kind of vibe thingy made out of all the names, but it's Margareta, Elisabetta, Jacoba, Friedrika, Marie. There you go. It's a big one. It's a mouthful. In any case, the reason why I'm asking you guys to quickly ask the person's name next to you, because that's probably one of the best ways to connect and make a friend. Just get to know their name. And your name says quite a few things more than what you might think about yourself, but a little bit more about that later. In order for us today to understand what friendship evangelism looks like and how to actually use friendship as a tool to share the good news, I think we need to look at three things. Why friendship evangelism? What is it? And where do I start? So we're going to get really practical today as well. Okay, so firstly, why friendship evangelism? Why do we use friendship as a vehicle to share the good news with people around us? Maybe a few years back, people would stand on side of some other box and tell people dry of braai and they share the old story and everything because people weren't always informed. However, in today's world, people are informed. And it's not a question of do I have the news? It's can I trust the person sharing the news? Hence, friendship evangelism. Now, with regards to that, two reasons I believe this is an amazing tool is firstly, it is biblical. Jesus used friendship to share the good news. The story of Zacchaeus is a brilliant example of that. Luke 19 verses 1 to 6, you can read with me. Jesus entered into Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, one of the problems in his life, short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, and since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, I love this story because it's the story of opposite worlds colliding and meeting together. On the one hand, we have Jesus, the Messiah, the one that will come and save the Jewish nation. And if you look at the head boys of the Jewish nation, that's all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the guys knowing their Bible like by hand and off heart, Jesus would have been expected to stop by their tree and say, hey, guys, you guys know the Bible. Come walk with me. Let's go and sort out this world. And I want to spend some time with you today. Instead, Jesus does the unthinkable. He comes to the other side, like the, the side nobody wants to connect with. Like in, in, if you want to look at the hierarchy inside of this nation and this cultural world, you basically get the Pharisees, Sadducees, and then you get the two IC buddies and the cool people, and then you get the guys going to synagogue, and then you get the faithful families, and then you get the sinners, and then you get Squinma, and then you would get tax collectors, and then you will get Zacchaeus, chief tax collector. It's like he's the bottom of the barrel. He's the scum of all scum. I mean, the tax collectors were cheating the citizens out of money. The chief tax collector, we're cheating the tax collectors out of money. Do you guys get what I'm talking about? This is a real bad guy. This is the guy Jesus stands still at, doesn't point up his finger and saying, hey, bad guy, come down here. We're going to have a little bit of talk here. You're having trouble. What are you doing with my people? Why are you stealing their money? What's going on here? No, he's like, today, I'm going to eat with you. 
That means a symbol of friendship. I want to be your friend. I see you right there where you are. That's the picture. So Jesus is using friendship evangelism in a radical way. We also know after that meal, Zacchaeus turned from chief tax collector to chief Jesus follower. From a life of asking, what can I get out of you? To a life of, how can I give back where I've unfairly treated people? What a radical moment. Discovering the good news in a moment of friendship. The second reason why I believe it's a very important reason why we need to dive into friendship evangelism is because it's something that all of us actually have. We can all be a friend to the person next to us. To someone down the street, you can actually extend a hand of friendship. Nobody, if you're alive, you can be this. You can be a friend. Now, just to quickly clarify, when it comes to this kind of friendship, because in our day and age, friendship has been so diluted and distorted in many social media activities that in today's world, according to Facebook, friendship means I am informed. That's what it means. You, I like you, I want to follow you as a friend, you say shop, and then I get informed about your life. However, when it comes to friendship, according to another book, the Bible, it says friendship is not about being informed. Friendship is all about being formed in the relationships that you find yourself in. Proverbs writer puts it like this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's what friendship is all about. It forms us into the person that we are becoming. In fact, another way of saying this is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Guys, what am I trying to say? One of the best ways to guarantee that someone will embrace and at least engage with the love of Jesus is by being their friend. That's one of the best ways to guarantee that in their future. In their future, they will discover the love of Jesus if you're one of their friends. It's going to happen because you're going to shape them. You're going to form them. So how does it look? What does it look like to be a friend to someone within this world? And here I think to kind of restore the picture of what the Bible is speaking of where friendship shapes you. And this is what it means to be a friend in terms of friendship evangelism. I think I want to look at three examples. But before that, here's the summary. So what is friendship evangelism? In essence, it's being the friend Jesus would be to that person sitting next to you. That's what it is. You're being the kind of friend that Jesus would be to the guy at work, to the guy on the street, to the person that's in your circle, even to your enemy. You can be the friend Jesus would be to them. How does that look? I think the best way to show you guys is by looking at the life of King David. King David was an extraordinary king, an extraordinary figure in ancient history. In fact, he's the guy that we know most about in all of ancient history. Did you know that? There is not another king that we have more written about in ancient history. The ancient wonders of the world, he was the main guy. Okay? And in his life, there are three key figures, three friends that formed him into the king that he would become in terms of the Israelite nation. The first friend is what I'd like to call a crown bestower. Now, before I'm diving into what this means and who it was, I want to ask you two things. As I'm going through these friends, firstly, ask yourself, do I have a friend like this in my life that's busy forming me? Secondly, am I a friend like this for someone 
in my life around me. Okay, so those two, keep that in mind. First one is the crown bestower. Now, the crown bestower in David's life was the prophet Samuel. Samuel saw in David a king when his own father only saw a shepherd's boy. I don't know if you guys know the story, but the prophet Samuel was sent to, to um, David's household, and he, God told him the future king of Israel is one of these boys. As he went there, his dad gathered all of his sons and he said, here's all my children you can choose. And Samuel, check everybody out. And God just doesn't speak. And then finally he looks at David's father and he says, is there maybe another? And then David's dad, kind of like his own dad, guys, remembers. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, shepherd boy, what, not really, you know, no potential there, baby. No, no, go and fetch it. And in that moment, we see how Samuel puts a crown on a shepherd's boy. And he says, this guy is the future king of Israel. And he sees in him what God called him to be. He sees the truth. No longer what dad said or what the past said or anybody like that said. He sees what Jesus sees. Do you have someone in your life that puts a crown on your head. That tells you what Jesus sees over your life. Reminds you of that truth. Secondly, are you someone that's putting the crown on people's heads? I'll never forget in my own life, the first person that I can name that I know did this was my own father. From a very young age, the one day I remember I still had a chat with him. I was about five years old. He looked at me and he said, Lorraine, you're going to be a leader one day. Now, I've never believed I've been a leader. I mean, I wasn't even a leader at school. I wasn't even a prefect. I would never see myself as leadership potential. But my dad saw that in me. And he saw something of God's calling over my life. That's the first moment ever in my life that I remember someone speaking what God called me to be. Another example of this was um, I told the story of Tina. She was in the first service here with us. She shared the story of her children. And... Um, taking some food to someone sitting on the, uh, on the side of the street and blessing them. Like, we need to love this person. We can't keep back. And they reached out and they treated this person with dignity and not with disgust. Guys, that is crown bestowing work. That's when you treat someone the way God created them to be treated. You reach out. That's a crown bestower friendship moment of sharing that love with the person next to you on the street. It's as simple as that. So that's the first person that shaped this man's life. Secondly, David had Jonathan. Now Jonathan, he was the loyal companion in David's life. In a stage and in a season in David's life where it felt like his whole life is falling apart, the house is burning down, the anointed king now being chased down by the current king. <laughs> so the anointed future king is being chased down by the current king, trying to kill him. The one guy that comes running back, you know, that moment when the house burns down and everybody just runs out of your life. Jonathan was the guy that came running back. That's the picture. He was the guy running in when the house is burning down, saying, I will not leave you. So while his own dad is pursuing his best friend, trying to kill him, he's on David's side. He stays loyal to a fault. He's with him every single moment. I'll never forget a man 
in my life. His name is Willem. Uh, I met Willem when I was 16 years old. When I walked into his guitar um, classroom, starting to learn how to play acoustic guitar. And in that moment, we didn't just share music together, but a friendship started. And he started chatting to me about Jesus. And he started becoming the Jonathan in my life. That more than 10 years later, when I wanted to give up on life and on my calling and want to just to walk away, Jesus, I'm done now. This is not going to happen. He was the one guy that gave me the call. <laughs> he came running in. He fought for me in that moment. I'm thankful up until today for that man. A relationship that started in a music classroom changed my life. Are you the loyal friend? Are you a Jonathan to someone? Are there people in your life right now? If you want to know where the fish might be biting when you want to go and fish for people, it might be in places where the houses are burning down. And you might be the one that shows them Jesus' heart in that moment running in. Number three is Nathan. Now, Nathan, in David's life, he was the faithful wounder. Like, who would like a friend like that? This is the kind of guy that you would like walk around like, who needs friends like that? With, with people like you, I mean, like, who need enemies in their life? That's that, that statement, you know? We all have one of those friends. They can't keep back saying the truth and sharing it whenever it's necessary. However, in Nathan's journey with, with David, it has been a long road. And he's been walking for quite some time with David. And then he confronts David in a moment of truth-telling. And he does it very wisely and beautifully by asking him questions so that David can see the truth of his decisions. This is the moment where David actually decided to commit murder to cover up his own sin. And he didn't just murder anyone. He murdered one of his mighty men, one of the guys that came up for him in those days when Saul was chasing him down, trying to kill him. He was one of the guys that was standing right there by David that said, why didn't you kill Saul when David just cut off a part of his cloak? That's the guy that was so close to David that David murdered because he tried to cover up the fact that he slept with his wife. She got pregnant. And it's in that moment that Nathan comes in and has the conversation with him that would change and save his leadership forever. But he does it in such a beautiful and a smart way. He questions him to the point where he could see what he's busy with. And that conversation changes his life. Now, I remember a guy in my life. His name was Brahm. I um, never did school homework when I was at school. Yes, I've confessed now, pastor. Can you believe it? You're listening to a guy who never did his homework at school until I met Brom. Brom became a very good friend of my life. He became a Jonathan in my life, one of those guys. And then ultimately, we had a conversation the one break time, and I was asking him to get his book to copy his homework again. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he asked me that big question. Arendi, do you really want to be someone that steals other people's work for the rest of your life? Ooh, met Asia. <laughs> Guys, I'm so thankful for that moment because that moment was the last time that I copied people's work. Even though I didn't do my homework at home, I still did it, but I did it myself. <laughs> That conversation changed the way I looked at myself. 
What a beautiful question to ask and to help me set me free. Do you have a Nathan in your life? And is God maybe calling you to be a Nathan in someone else's life? For some people, it's very easy to be a Nathan in terms of the truth-telling side, not necessarily always the wisdom and how to share it. For other people, it's very easy to have the wisdom to share it, but they don't have the boldness and the guts to actually tell the truth. Guys, you might save someone's life by being a friend like that. Now you're asking me, how does this look like Jesus? Well, exactly like Jesus. Firstly, Jesus is the crown bestower, treating you as royalty. You're a child of God. He's giving up his life. He's treating you as the image and the likeness of God. He's putting a crown on your head when you put a failure on your head. Taking that off and he's saying, you're amazing. You're mine. I love you. Secondly, is the loyal companion. He came running in when the whole world was running out of humanity's mess they've made. He comes in. I'm with you. Lastly, the faithful wounder, sharing the truth on the cross, but more than that, also taking the blows of that moment of truth and being wounded himself. And so we get healed and we get made whole. So do you have friends like this? Or are you a friend like this? Now I know if I landed here, most of us will probably walk out and have a lot of Christianese stuff to tell our buddies. We'll go on. I'm going to preach to you, buddy. Let me tell you. Let me put that crown on your head. You don't know what's going on, guys. Let me just say, you will find as this relationship cultivates and it matures and it grows, especially a new friendship, that there might be spaces and moments that God will use you to do that. But primarily, friendship is not about that. It's just positioning yourself in that space, that you treat that person with dignity, someone that you would have looked down on for so long. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So where do we start? And that brings me to point number three. Where do we practically start with this? Five little points to help you guys get started. First one, be present. Just be present. Go to the places that you would never like to go. Be present. Okay, do what Jesus did. Leave heaven, come to earth. Even if you're on earth, you know there are many other religions that doesn't like you. <laughs> be very offensive. Spit on you treat you badly, he still came. He came to a place that wasn't comfortable. In fact, he became vulnerable. He became killable. He opened up himself. He looked outside of his element. That might happen to us when we go to spaces like that. I think the best story that I have about this, it's not my own story, so unfortunately I won't be able to share this one like that. However, it is Donnie's story. I don't know if I've told you guys that. But Donnie, we talked about rugby now. Donnie is like, when you say rugby, he just smiles and waves, boys. <laughs> there ain't no big thing about rugby. Donnie is not the biggest rugby fan in the world. However, his boys are playing rugby like crazy. And so it happened that he would have to go and watch their games when school match rugby was played. And Donnie found himself next to one of those rugby parents. You guys know those guys. Like, Riff, Riff. you know, they know everything. They're like pro. Wiki, Artloop, you know, that stuff. Okay. So he's starting to chat with this guy and they're having conversations like opposite worlds. You have the pastor standing next to the next level um, rugby guy that loves, loves communicating how he feels about the rugby. This friendship starts cultivating and growing and ultimately to the end of the, to the point where, where the couple invites Donnie and Yorita over for a nice meal. 
very excited. They realize here is an opportunity for us to maybe share the good news and start with the friendship as we're journeying together. And they go to the house and it's one of those houses, you know, <whistles> looks out of, comes out of a magazine. It's like next level. This oak is like high up somewhere doing big job stuff and so on and so forth. And Yoris, being probably the most innocent person that I know on this planet, they walk into the house, look at the beautiful house, then they get to the living room, and in the middle of the living room, there is a strange pole just coming down. Okay. So you guys can feel the tension. Something is happening. Yoris doesn't know what's going on. That's Donnie's wife. And she's like innocently asking, Hi, what's this, what's this pole in the middle of the living room all about? <laughs> so wonderful. She couldn't keep herself back. And the next moment, the guy's wife goes on like crazy. He's like, oh. He first says, no, no, no. My wife is a pole dancer. It's like a professional sport. Do you guys want to see? Do you want to see? <laughs> okay, so that, you have the pole. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, guys, what am I trying to share? <laughs> to be present in this world might sometimes get you in uncomfortable spaces. <laughs> to go to the places where you would have never hanged out. <laughs> Some of those friendships might take you to those spaces. Be present. Be what Jesus made you to be in that space. Journey with that person. Get to know who they are. Where they are, as Kuba said, it's only a sport, Therene. <laughs> Why do we need to be present, guys? Just a quick little note on this one. Because um, you will never find fish in the desert. You're going to only find it in the river. And if I'm looking at this church, I'm guessing max maybe 10% of people here are looking to find Jesus maybe for the first time or busy discovering, if it's even that much. There ain't a lot of fish here. Let me tell you where there's a lot of fish. Out there. And that's why we need to be present there. Need to love. Need to bring God's grace there. In the tax collector's house. Some of them might be tax collector houses with poles coming down. You get what I'm saying. But be present. Go and love there. Number two. Start making friends. Intentionally. Do what Jesus did. And here it's so easy. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Just ask, what's your name? Get to know their name. Get to know the person. Your name speaks of who you are. It's the, it's the way people identify you. They call you. This represents so much about you. Your name is so much. Get to learn the person sitting across you. Get their name. Get their story. Start journeying with them. Intentionally make a friend. Just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector that day. Then number three. Break some bread. And here we're not talking about communion. So Christianese, down, boys, down. Okay, we're talking about having a braai. Anybody enjoyed some braai, National Braai Day yesterday? Anybody in the room? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. And we see this with Jesus as well. He enjoyed a great meal with Zacchaeus. And now just a few tips for you guys to make it practical. Should you decide to invite someone that's in your workspace Maybe someone that God's placing on your heart because I'm going to give you that opportunity today to make a commitment to do this. Just a few tips. Number one, keep it casual. Stay away from spiritual conversations. Don't try and make it the moment where you're going to be preaching your greatest sermon to them in that moment. Okay? 
just chat. Just get to know the person. Get to know their story and their likes and their dislikes and where they come from. I know it's so simple, guys, but whenever we're in that situation, it feels like we don't know what to do. Keep it casual. Okay, then, number four. Now that you've made a friend, now that you're starting to eat, just by the way, the reason why we eat together, when even people eat, they start speaking. I don't know what happens. Your mouth goes open for the food, and then your mouth goes open, and you start speaking. Okay, and that's good. Good conversations happen. Anybody here come dine with me? Just quickly want to check. Anybody come dine with me this week? Whoop. Okay. I already had a few guys telling me we need to do this more often. Am I correct with the come dine me guys? Uh -huh. Yeah, I see the face. Okay, cool. So number four, common ground. Find some common ground. Find something that you guys have in common that you can journey together with and you start building a relationship. I like bike riding. You like bike riding. And we do stuff together. The reason why I'm putting it in here is because many times common ground that we have with one another is not in what we do, but much more in the seasons of life that we find ourselves. For instance, when we became parents for the first time, Hannah got pregnant with John, suddenly we're in a new season. Sister Opoki, she organized us, she helped us, she sorted everything out. If you're not a parent, you won't know about this, but that lady is a legend, okay? <laughs> And she introduced us to lots of other people that's in the same season that we were in. And sometimes we just share that and we have that in common and it's a great opportunity to reach out. People getting married, people that's single, people that's getting older. Okay, I mean, sorry, wiser, silver wisdom, you know, those guys. So maybe you, you have something in common with this person because of the season that you guys are finding yourselves in. Preach it, lady. Preach it there at the back. Okay, so find something in common and starting to journey. And then lastly, be available. That's number five. Cultivate this relationship. And this, this is probably the most important one in the journey. Friendships are formed over consistent seasons of caring for the person, reaching out. My deepest friendships are like that, people that I've reached out to. And I want to encourage you to do this. So here, listen. As my wife reminds me, like basically at least once a week, you know, like, as if you luister, look like you're listening, you know. And with this one, I want to tell you guys, don't just look and don't just listen to respond, but listen to learn. Listen to learn their story. In this moment, where you are available, it might also be, that they would like to be available and be a friend to you. And it might be one of the greatest gifts you can give that person is to be a friend and reach out to you as well. If we do this, we might get to the point where this person discovers the love of Jesus because he lives in me. That's the journey. And that brings me to, to the last one, is praying. Start speaking to Jesus about the names that he's placing in your heart, the people that he's placing on your heart in your world and the space that you live in. And with that, I want to make it very practical this morning. So we have a faith for tree. Okay, so just by the way, we don't have faith for trees. That's not what that's about. Okay, it's also not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with the snake coming in. Okay, that's the tree of life. And it's a beautiful artwork, by the way. Thank you very much, H and Nalene and the team running that baby. But this is going to be now part of our journey, guys. This is not just a ministry moment for today. This is a journey for us, for this city. We have faith for this city. And we want to see 
lives change around in this city. And I know as I've been speaking today, probably God has placed someone on your heart, someone that you really trust in God for, someone that might be lost in this moment. No hope, no significance, not sure what life's about. I, I actually had a conversation with someone this week asking me those questions, exact same questions, looking for a hand of friendship to start discovering what Jesus actually has to say. They're moving from that, maybe Jesus is God. You know, they, I know there's a God, but maybe he is God. And I want to know what he has to say. Maybe there's someone in your life. And I want to give you an opportunity. The worship team is going to be ministering to us to come and take one of these little round buttons. It's painted green. It represents a leaf. And you could put down a name or names or even a group's names if you'd like to do that. And you can stick it onto that tree. And what you're doing then is you're saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you for that leaf to turn into a piece of fruit. As it discovers your love. As I have discovered it and it changed my life around. I'm trusting you for those lives that you're putting in my life. That their life will change. And today there's no fruits here. There are only leaves. But from next week, there will be leaves and fruits. So if you have another leaf that God is putting on your heart, put it on there. But if that leaf has changed into a piece of fruit... And you see a life changing because they have encountered Jesus, life himself. Then you go and put up any place on that board, a fruit. We thank God. And we trust God together for lives to change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So with that being on, meaning that artwork is going to stand Every single day when you come in here on a Sunday or during the week, if you want to put a name on there or if something has happened, and it's an interactive piece of testimony. That Okay. We do this. Let's pray. Father, as we have the privilege to be a good friend, to be the kind of friend that you were to us, to those that surround us, in order that they may discover the good news that you love them. Dad, I come and pray for every name that you've placed on someone's heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, guide our conversations. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. Help us to speak the truth and speak it in love to these people. May they be found by you, by your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great. So I want to invite you, while the worship team is going to be ministering, you can stand up here in the front. These two baskets, there are leaves, and you can write down a name there and go and stick it onto that tree. Let's do that. As the last guys are putting on their names, their leaves onto that tree, trusting for new life, I want to end off in a moment of corporate prayer. I want everybody to stretch out their hands to that tree. So if you won't mind joining me, let's stretch out our hands. Guys, do you know what, what we're stretching out to? We're stretching out to miracles happening. We're trusting God for a new creation work in people's lives. Changing people from being sinners to being saints, <laughs> to becoming His children. So as we're going to pray, 
Let's pray with the authority of Jesus in this moment. Let's pray together. Father, I'm reminded of Revelation where Jesus is sitting on the throne, the Lamb with all authority that's been given to Him. And the first words is, Behold, I am making all things new. And I'm starting with you. Every single name on that board. Dad, we come and pray that you would breathe new life, new perspective, new love, new hope, new significance. Just make new in every single life that's represented on that board. Thank you for providing everything that we need to love them and to be good friends. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.